Hello and welcome to another episode of Tell Great Stories, the podcast that looks back at some of Unbound Theatre's past projects and productions. My name is Gareth Johnson and today we will be discussing two productions from the same director, Marvin's Room, which we performed in September 2018, and Three Tall Women, which was performed in March 2020 before live theatre became but a distant memory in the realms of the past. So... With me to discuss these two shows are Sean Nolan. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, everybody. My name is Sean. I've been working with Unbound now for maybe four years or so. And one of the first things I did with them was Marvin's Room, which was mentioned before. I directed that. And then a few years later, did Three Tall Women, the final show before the pandemic. Um, And now I sit kind of with the rest of the committee and talk about different projects that are coming up and other exciting things at the home of Unbound, Queen Parks Arts Centre. Brilliant. And uh, next we have Barbara. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, uh, my name is Barbara Muston and I uh, played character A in Three Tall Women and this was my debut with Unbound Theatre. And next we have Amber. Hello, my name's Amber. I started my journey with the Queen's Park Arts Centre by playing Lee in Marvin's Room, and then I got to play character B in Three Tall Women. And finally, we have Hannah. Hello there, my name is Hannah Rogers. I have been with Unbound Theatre for three wonderful years. I played Bessie in Marvin's Room, and then the character of C in Three Tall Women. Fantastic. Now, we will start by discussing Marvin's Room. And my first question is really one for Sean. Um, This was your first production with Unbound, but you have been involved with the theatre for a a huge amount of time before that and been very involved in a multitude of things. Um, Could you tell us a little bit about your previous theatre involvement and what led you to working with Unbound? huge amount of time makes me sound, I think, much older than I actually am. But, <laughs> a huge um, amount of time relative to age. It's relative <laughs> to my existence, definitely. Um, well, I heard first about Queen's Park's Arts Centre um, before I'd heard about Unbound Theatre, and that was a very long time ago now. I can't quite remember when. But when I was about 14 or something along those lines, which was relatively not that long ago, I suppose, but is long ago in my life, um, <laughs> I'd... I found out about Vale Life magazine, which is a magazine that circulated in the local area. And I realised they didn't have a column on the arts or arts in the local area. So I asked, contacted the editor and asked if I could be a part of the magazine. And with that came exploring a lot more about local venues. And one of the most prominent local venues in Aylesbury is the Queen's Park Arts Centre and by extension, Unbound Theatre. So I started to learn a lot about Unbound through that. And after a couple of years, maybe almost five years, I suppose, um, I started to realise that there was this wonderful venue and wonderful theatre company, Unbound, on my doorstep, but I wasn't quite utilising everything they had to offer. So I started to think a bit and I thought, you know, I'd really like to flex my directing muscles a lot more because most of the time before then I'd only really written or acted in things. Um, And I was preparing to do a few other pieces of my own, which I wanted to direct, and I wanted to just flex the muscle on its own to be 
totally honest. So I found a play I like the look of, which was called Six Degrees of Separation by John Gare. And I absolutely adore the play. And I took it to Dario, who's in charge of Unbound Theatre, and Sarah, who is in charge of um, Queen's Park Arts Centre, and met up with them and spoke to them about the idea. I think my bold attitude and enthusiasm must have worked (laughs) because they said it was a great idea. Um, And then we had a bit of a problem. Uh, I believe both Gareth and Hannah were about at that time when I was kind of auditioning for that. Uh, We had a bit of a problem with filling out the cast because it has a huge cast, that play, and I hadn't appreciated um, all the complexity in finding a big cast like that. But I'd kind of forgotten, I think, having been a child in local theatre and I'd taken part a lot in work at um, the Tring Court Theatre, when you're a child, of course, there's an abundance of children to fill out a cast. (laughs) So you kind of assume there's a a lot of people that um, can fill all different types of roles. But when you get into more adult space, definitely in the Aylesbury area, one thing I've come to realise is that there is a wonderful select group of very talented people, um, but it's quite difficult to find lots of different kinds of people that fill out a really big cast like that. So I started to look at other plays that I've been intrigued by and haven't quite understood, which is a reason um, why I've always been interested in directing kind of older plays, I suppose, ones I've never quite got my head around and one of those plays was Marvin's Room Uh, and I stumbled across it and I suggested to Dario and he said it was a really good idea we sorted it out and then filled out the cast and that was how the first project of mine at Unbound Theatre really began and it was a wonderful time and I thoroughly enjoyed every second of it. Ah fantastic and of course one of the people that you ended up casting in Marvin's Room was casting Hannah in the role of Bessie um so, Hannah, for anyone who's not seen Marvin's Room before, could you give us a brief description of sort of what it's about, what Bessie's role is within the play, and then what appealed to you about the role of Bessie? Yes, so the main story focuses on uh, my character Bessie and her family, which con- consists of Marvin, her father, who is confined to a bed. He's very, very poorly, so she lives her life looking after him. And her sister, Lee, played by the lovely Amber. And unfortunately, in between her sister arriving and looking after her her father, uh, Bessie gets diagnosed with leukemia. And so it's, I think the main premise is how the family come together, how they cope. It's it's a typical family. Everyone's got their own baggage. Everyone's trying to deal with their emotions. But I think the main theme is about love. It's to do with love and family and their acceptance. And I think she was a wonderful character to play. Uh, one of those ones that as an actor, you could really sink your teeth into. Um, lots of emotion she was very I loved her bravery amongst everything else because even though she's diagnosed with this disease she still loves her family she still cares for her father Um, she gets to meet her nephews for the first time and she she still carries on she doesn't let anything stop her Um, and that's what I love most about her was her her bravery and her sense of humour. 
And Amber, as well as this being Sean's first production with Unbound, this was also your introduction to Unbound. So again, how did you sort of find out about the project, come to get involved with the project? Um, and then tell us a little bit about the, the character that you played in that. Yes, certainly. So the way that I found out um, about this particular project and what brought me to Unbound was actually that one of the other um, actors in the play, Philippa, who couldn't be with us here tonight, um, messaged me out of the blue one day to say, <laughs> we're doing this play. We thought of you. Would you perhaps like to be in it? And so I then popped down to the theater, had a talk with Sean, got the script. And just like that, I was cast as Lee in the play. And it was quite exciting um, to just have that sprung upon me like that. Um, so my character, Lee, was Bessie's sister. She was a bit selfish. Her personality was more about her life. She'd sort of left her family behind. She had the ill father and the sister who was taking care of her, but she went away to live her own life. Um, and she, But she came back um, because her sister was ill and needed to, to potentially have her have her donate some bone marrow and so she did come back and so the thing I liked most about her as a character was her growth throughout the show mm. you know you sort of saw her at the beginning being very selfish and only caring about herself and her looks and her career and her schooling and and um, not even worrying all that much about her son who was very troubled but throughout the play she sort of realized the importance of family and grew to care for them and realized that she should help take care of people as well as her sister did. And um, sort of a general question to to everyone, do you have any sort of favorite scenes from the play or favorite memories from the production? There are, there are, there are quite a few things in my head that, that stick out as, as prominent. I, I don't know if they're particularly personal memories. I don't know too much about a favorite scene. There are hmm. quite a few scenes that stick in my head a lot. I loved any of the bits that had Hannah, Amber and Philippa interacting. I thought were wonderfully funny. I remember the Disneyland scene, which is I, there are two acts in that play if I remember rightly, and I believe it's the top of the second act. Yeah. Um, and looking at the script and seeing this whole scene is set in Disneyland, it's one of those sorts when you're um, doing a show especially in on a budget in, in a local theatre, thinking how on earth are we going to be able to do that <laughs> in a way that is you know, does works or, or comes across properly. And it it was a one of those times where I realised you can kind of do anything if you're all convinced enough that it will work and you put your heads together. The summer we did Marvin's Room Over, it was performed in September, but we started rehearsing in the start of the summer. It was the same summer I took my own play to Edinburgh. So it was a time when I was quite stressed out about a lot of different things. Uh, and that was a wonderful experience when I went to go and do that. But I remember coming back and feeling like, Obviously being one very, 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 very tiny cog in a huge machine is definitely one way to test your ego, for want of a <laughs> better phrase. Um, but coming back to do Marvin's Room and it being a community effort and everyone coming together and just having fun and coming out with a great product in the end. The show was brilliant. Everyone was fantastic in it. We were all so happy with it. Was a really important moment for me at that point in my life to remind myself that that at the end of the day is the only bit that matters about theatre to me in reality. It's the coming together, loving, enjoying it and all feeling passionate about it. I'd never really been a part of a production of any kind where everybody was so excited to be a part of it. Everyone turned up constantly feeling 
enthusiastic about it. And I think that's one of the most exciting parts about companies like Unbound is it's a group of people who are only doing this because they absolutely love it. And I think no matter what show from Unbound you're in or watching or whatever you're doing around the company, that energy always radiates out of it. And for me, that was the most striking thing about Marvin's Room and was why I think even before the first performance happened, I turned around to Dario and said, okay, when can you put me in the calendar then for our next show? <laughs> yeah. um, and then I, I know I did the same thing again before Three to Women and then, you know, the world ended. Um, so we'll see <laughs> how that goes. But that's the thing that keeps me coming back. And Marvin's Room was the show that taught me that for sure. Yeah. And Amber and Tanner, have you got any particular memories or favourite bits of the play? I, I think I have to agree with, with Sean, the, the one, the scene that seems to stick in my mind when you mention Marvin's Room is the Disneyland scene. We just, I, I remember all of us, the, the whole cast were involved and we were just in fits of giggles the, the entire time. It was just so much fun pretending to be in this amazing magical place on stage even though that you know we had as Sean said limited resources but again that's the that's the magic of Unbound Theatre is that it can transport you somewhere else and uh, I loved doing that and then there was an emotional scene right after all of this joy and happiness uh, which I got to play with Amber and I just I remember just every night hugging Amber after this great emotional roller coaster, and uh, but despite the upsetting story, uh, as Sean said, there was just happy vibes on set the entire time, um, and that that's what I always remember about it. And Amber, have you got any particular memories or feelings towards Marvin's room? Yeah, I feel like um, my standout memories of the show were simply working with the great cast and the amazing director, Sean. Um, I had worked with both Philippa and Hannah before on other projects and other theater groups. And so it was great being reunited with them. We always have a great time when we're together and, and um, getting to, you know, explore the emotion with them was great. And, you know, working with Sean was such a delight because he's a director that comes in with such a clear vision and he has such a good way of, describing to you as the actor on the stage what it is that he wants from you and and you know bringing that out in you in in such a good way and but leading you to it not just telling you what he needs and so that was you know really wonderful and also just being really made to feel so welcome by everybody at the queen's park art center the people in the cast but as well as that all the people that volunteer and work there you know it was my first experience being there and they just made me feel so welcome and like i was part of the group part of the family right from the beginning and so that's amazing and i would agree with both sean and hannah that obviously the standout memory scene is the disneyland scene because you can't really get over the um you know lovely character and costume running down the stairs and, and things <laughs> that might spark a memory for you there gareth but but i think my other standout scene is just there was one scene with Hannah and I where we were going to a care home to discuss putting our father in a care home. And it was quite an emotional thing. And, and what I enjoyed about that was our characters reacted so differently to that. And so playing off each other and how we were um, reacting to the emotion of the moment and how, you know, the sisterly fighting and things, it just felt so very real in the moment. And so that one tends to stand out for me as well. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting thing about Marvin's room as a play was that it's a very, very 
sort of very heavy subject matter. There's a lot of very strong emotions going on in it, but it still takes the time to have those light moments, those humorous moments. And it, it was a real skill for you guys to be able to to put that mix together of saying, this is hard hitting emotion here, but almost in the same scene at the same moment, you've got these light hearted bits thrown in and the switch between the the different emotions it just I found really impressive from you guys. Uh, so we will move on to three tall women um, at this point. Uh, Sean's next play with Unbound. So you mentioned that um, you were pretty enthusiastic to come back and work with Unbound again after the end of Marvin's room. Um, and you came back with three tall women as the next production. So could you tell us a little bit about about that play and what it was that made you want to direct that particular play? Well, doing Three Tall Women kind of seemed inevitable to me for three major different reasons. First of all, um, I just loved being with Hannah and Amber when we did Marvin's Room. We all had a great laugh and it was so much fun. So I knew whatever I did, I certainly needed to find something that both of those two would fit into. I'm not even told them at the time, but I knew I needed to do that. The next thing I knew I needed to do was to find a play that, after the struggle I'd had with Six Degrees of Separation, how I think there were maybe like 19 parts in that play, and we only managed to find about 11 people um, that could fit those roles, I thought, right, I don't want to go through that process again. I'm going to find something that I have a lot of people auditioning for very few roles, um, which I definitely got with Three Tall Women. And finally, Edward Albee... Um, is one of my favourite playwrights of all time. He wrote my favourite play, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? And Three Tall Women, I, I discovered Edward Albee when I was an early teen, which is obviously a time when looking at a, a plays by a man like him, you cannot really fathom what's going on. And every time you <laughs> revisit as time goes on, you start to understand it a little bit better. But I definitely did not understand a word of Three Tall Women when I was younger. But it has such a reputation in Edward Albee's canon as being the one that brought him back in the 90s. It won him a Pulitzer Prize after about 20 years of writing what is essentially nonsense inspired by people like Beckett and things like that in, in that era of time. But I still thought it was nonsense. And it was one of those things where I thought, I really don't think it is nonsense. And I don't think I'll ever understand it until I see it. And I'd never seen it. There was never a production on that I that was majorly professional in London or anything in my teenage years so when it came time to do another play I thought well what better way to watch a play than to just decide to put the play on and then watch it afterwards um so which is where I ended up coming to with that and I suggested the play to Dario and he thought it was a great idea um and I was already pretty confident that at least Hannah and Amber would be perfect fits in it, I'm sure when they went to go and read it which they were hence why they were in it um and then we had a great time kind of hunting out an A and other people um and that was when we came across the absolutely fantastic Barbara, who, I mean, that was that was like kismet for the two of us. I'm sure Amber will agree. I mean, um, Amber will agree. Barbara and I will agree. We have a wonderful friendship now as well as a result of having done Three Tall Women together. Um, so it was, it was just really special to me. I think we all had a great time doing it. And we I did this play at a time pre-COVID. I mean, when I first chose the play, I, I lived with my grandparents for a few years by that point. And I've always been close to my grandma in particular. But my granddad at the time uh, had quite severe dementia. I'd lived with him for a very long time. And not long after we started rehearsals did he die. Um, and of course, that's quite 
stressful at any time but especially when you're living with the person and taking care of them a lot of the time as well so it kind of took on a new meaning by the time we were doing it since the play is about a woman over the course of her life um and at the end of it is suffering with dementia and other other struggles like that um it it became so much more personal than i ever thought it was going to be and it it's almost so personal it's at the point where it's um as much as i didn't write it it was definitely almost like if I were to have written something for us to do at that time, it would have been something along those lines. Um, it was just a wonderful experience. And I would say, honestly, perhaps my favourite theatrical experience of anything I've ever done. I really enjoyed everything about it. Oh, wow. Um, and of course, Three Tall Women was, Barbara, your first production with Unbound. Um, so how did you, again, sort of find out about Three Tall Women and come to get involved in that? Okay, yeah, well, first of all, thank you, Sean, for your lovely kind words. <laughs> um, um, just by way of a bit of background, I've I've acted for as long as I can remember. I know that I, I think I've been on stage since, since the age of three, according to my mother. Um, and I, I trained professionally in the early 90s and then worked um, professionally for about 10 years. But when it came to 2019, for various reasons, I hadn't actually been on stage for about 15 years. And I'd had a, a very busy job chairing a, a, a large local charity. Um, but I was on the point of retiring from that. And I thought, ah, now is the time maybe for me to get back to the theatre. And I'd heard about Unbound. And I thought, well, I'd like to find out a bit about what they do. And fortunately, serendipitously, at that point, you were putting on your show, which looked back over your five years. It was your five year anniversary. So I thought, right, I'm going to see what they do. So I came along to that production and in the programme was an invitation for an open audition for Three Tall Women. And I thought, aha. And so I went off and bought the play and read it. And I thought, wow, this looks really interesting. But my goodness, these are some big roles here. So I was I was sort of hesitating a bit. And at, uh, just before the auditions were coming up, one of my old teachers from drama school came to stay with me and said, oh, for God's sake, Barbara, go on and do it. <laughs> so I did. And uh, I went along to the audition and, yeah, it was great. And the rest is history. Ah. And, of course, A really is a, a huge character to take on. I think she's on stage, if not the entirety of the time, pretty much the entirety of the time. I think you're off stage for about 10 seconds at one point. Uh, and even then, I, I think you were you were doing something and then straight back on. Um, so how did you find that as a sort of really big, demanding role? Yeah, well, I mean, just looking at the words on the page was a bit of a challenge, I must <laughs> confess. I thought, my goodness, you know, I haven't I haven't acted for, you know, a number of years and all these lines. Am I, I was really concerned that I would actually be able to remember them um, and and it, it 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 was a lot of work to to learn all those lines um, and and it was a she's a challenging character as well um, mm. Sean has already mentioned the uh, dementia and so a is suffering from dementia which uh, made well, one, uh, just embodying someone with dementia it, it was, was quite a challenge. And it was a challenge not just mentally, but physically. We had to, because she had some physical disabilities as well, 
so I had to find my way into that. Um, but but the fact that she had dementia made may makes the script very complicated because she's uh, like someone with dementia, constantly repeating herself and telling stories and going back over stories. So it was eminently easy to get lost in the script. And and that, that was a, a real challenge. But what was most rewarding was, I hope, actually managing to do that and and create this embodiment of, of this amazingly complex, apparently arrogant, but also very vulnerable woman and to tell her story and to the, the most moving uh, point, I think, for me about it was where she come where she comes to in the end mm. and where she's talking about how the, you know, the happiest moment of all is is the end of it when life stops. And as for being on stage all the time, well, just had to get on with it. As you say, yeah. I, I was, I was off. St- I think I'll go off to go to the loo a couple of times, and that was about <laughs> it. Um, but yeah, it was. It's a question of a lot of a lot of focus. Um, uh, what I wasn't moving around very much. I was. It was a pretty stationary role as well. So a lot of concentration, a lot of focus. And that oh. was a challenge. Interesting. Um, and this was a play that required American accents in it. Um, and Hannah and Barbara, um, how did you sort of go about preparing to do that in a accent where you, you're never off stage really, or barely off stage and you've got to really maintain and sustain that accent? I, I, I don't think the fact that one is on stage all the time really has much to do with it. I think for me... Um, it's a it's a question of practice beforehand and mm. um, working out uh, what are the particular characteristics of an accent. So, for example, with the American accent, it's much farther back in the mouth than the English accent, the British accent, which is which is very forward. And and working out what what the key aspects of it are, like the American accent, it's the R. And I remember I was just looking through the script earlier today, and I and I had some really tricky phrases one of which I've ringed which was my father was an architect see I can't even do it now my father <laughs> was an architect and I remember going over that with Amber it was very useful to have Amber on the cast uh, to to check things out with since she's a, na- uh, a Native American so to speak and um, but yeah so, so the, the key for me is is finding where where the accent is placed and finding what the key elements of it are. And of course, there there's all sorts of help on YouTube these days if you're trying to learn a particular accent, which is useful. And Hannah, did you have any particular, you know, tips or preparation for for getting into that accent? I I think I have to agree with with Barbara. It it does come down to uh, I I take my script and you focus on where the uh, the pressure points are within the the dialect, uh, and luckily we had Amber with us uh, to to always, you know, give us reassurance. Because I've, as Amber very rightly said, I've worked with her before. Uh, I think this is something like our fourth project together, and three of which were American plays, and every time. 
uh, I've gone to Amber for reassurance and she's always been there. She's so supportive, so friendly. And you, I, I, you always get worried about offending if you're, if you're doing it wrong. But luckily, Amber's there on hand to go, no, 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 it's fine. You're doing it right. Um, and it's, it's a way of, I think, for me, it's repetition. Repetition and going over the, the pressure points mm. are the main, are the main um, aspects of getting an accent down. Yeah, I agree absolutely with Hannah. Repetition, finding the pinch points. And and listening also to as as, as many people with American accents as, as you can. Mm-hmm. And of course, Amber, you have somewhat of an advantage when playing a character with an American accent. How did you find sort of working alongside people who were then changing their accent? And were you able to to help them? Did you find it interesting seeing people come to that accent when obviously that is very natural to you? And were you able to offer advice and help your fellow cast members there. Yeah, I mean, certainly one thing I have to say is I feel that both Barbara and Hannah were absolutely fabulous at the American accent. They they obviously worked very hard to get each word correct. Um, as Barbara said, there were a few that were, you know, sort of sticking points, ones that they struggled. And so the way that I just helped would literally be to just pronounce the word for them over and over as they then said it back to me. So we could try to match it. They would try to mirror my pronunciation um and, and that was only when they had specific difficult words it was actually quite funny for me because they did such a good job at being american that sometimes when we'd then be in a break and they would speak to me in their regular <laughs> accent it would almost shock me i'd forget that they weren't american gareth can i be really cheeky and ask amber a question yeah go ahead i've never asked Amber this question before but you must have done shows before you've had to do an english accent have you found that really difficult I, Sean, actually have not done any shows where oh. I've had to do an English accent. Um, I've quite luckily in all my experience so far in English theatre have been in American plays. I, I Maybe I pick them because <laughs> they're easier for me, but um, I've been quite lucky so far. I actually find accents quite difficult, so I think that's another reason why amazes me how well Barbara and Hannah did um, and Philippa in Marvin's room as well, because Marvin's room was also American. Um, you know, everybody that I've worked with here has done so amazing. And, you know, in any little way that I can help them, I'm happy to do so. But most of the time I find they don't need me. They are just so spectacular at it already. I must say the funniest thing sometimes about telling audience members that are coming when I've done plays at Queen's Park and obviously both of them Amber's been in, um, I've said to people, you know, one of them is actually American. Which one do you think it is? And never once has anyone ever said back to me it's Amber, which I always <laughs> find absolutely hilarious. People always think that she doesn't have a real accent, even though hers is very much real. Yes, I remember that from Marvin's room. I do remember that. Always people will say that Amber's accent isn't the real one, which makes me giggle. Oh, well, not they wouldn't say necessarily say it's not the real one, but they would never think that it was actually Amber. They would always think it was Hannah or Barbara or somebody else, which I find very amusing. It's quite interesting because Amber's accent is actually quite understated, yes. isn't it, as, a, as an American? Yes, so, I think maybe yeah. that's why. Maybe people think it's not quite mm. enough. Mm. So that's, mm. that makes me giggle. So, But I think you sound American, Amber, definitely next to me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, of course, Three Tall Women was quite a dialogue-heavy play. You know, it all happens in in the same room, effectively in the the same scene. Obviously, there's quite a stark change between Act One and Act Two, um, but it all happens in the one room, the one scene, the one set. How did you find you know doing a play that is 
very dialogue heavy and how did you maintain the energy across that with you know a small cast and just the one scene just the one setting i'd say that the biggest thing that kept cropping up for us when rehearsing uh, I, i'm sure the ladies would agree with me here is that there would be many occasions as we started to learn it and got better at it and we were off book where uh, because of the way that albie writes things feel like they're repeating spiritually not necessarily the same lines but a moment will feel similar to a moment that came 20 minutes before. And I remember many occasions where we'd run a whole act and we'd be like, why was that 35 minutes shorter than it should have been? And we'd be like, oh, it's because we completely jumped a huge <laughs> chunk. And that is very difficult because, of course, by the very nature of having a hour long, two hour long scenes to make up a play, the conversation doesn't go too far especially when they're all just sat in the seats talking to one another. So remembering the order in which things come is very difficult. Um, and I'm sure the ladies will agree, as actors, that's incredibly difficult. Of course, I thankfully didn't have to memorise it. Um, but I know from having done things before, you end up having to just remember almost, not even the plot points, because it's not really a plot point, but the conversational topics and try and remember the order they come through. That was that was difficult from, I'm sure, a memory perspective. Maintaining energy, though, was the hardest part, I think, of the play. Because everyone had so much energy to go with. Um, but it was orchestrating the energy in a way that felt exciting when there wasn't really anything else to be visually exciting, for example. As, as Barbara said earlier, everyone was pretty much static the entire time. Very rarely was there much movement. That's just in the nature of the play. So... My thought process was, well, we have to create excitement and forward momentum through energy, pace, tempo, spirit. And I really appreciate actually what Amber said about me when we were talking about Marvin's room earlier about how I, I, I lead people to the point, even though I very clearly know what I want in many respects. And I think that's something that being with Unbound has really helped me with because I definitely, I'm, I always was actor first kind of thing, director second. So I could read it and be like, well, I know exactly how I would say that. But that doesn't necessarily mean that's the right way to do it for the production, even if I am directing it. And I like to think that by the time we got to Three Tall Women, I was orchestrating more than directing and pointing, especially when it's a play like this that carries so much dialogue and is entirely reliant upon the actors. You know, there's no scene changes to break it up or different actors coming in. It's just these three women sat there talking. Um, it's, it's, I suppose, my job to encourage where we're going and how we're going to get there, but it's not my job to micromanage it. And I think that's an easy thing to do if you were directing this play. You could very easily decide exactly how everything needs to be said and micromanage it like that. I hope I took my foot off the pedal a little bit and um, allowed the ladies to go where they wanted to with it and just made some pointers to go from one bit or the other when it came to a certain story or a certain bit of dialogue or something like that. Um... But yeah, I would say that was, I'd say maintaining the energy. I mean, this is a great question because that was really the most difficult thing to to toy around with when it came to the play, for sure. Mm. I completely agree. Can can I add something um, about, about Sean? Because Amber's talked about Sean's abilities before, but what I'd like to say is for someone so young, what totally impressed me was, what a mature and wise head he has on his shoulders and his ability to see what was needed. As, as Sean has just said, most of the time he took his, he had his foot off the pedal and just let us get on with it. But there were moments when we really needed to be got together. And, and 
And when that happened, he did it and and told us, led us, as Amber said, to where we needed to be. And I was extremely impressed with what he did. Thank you, Barbara. It's very nice of you. I completely agree with that. I think one of the uh, one of the easy things to do is, uh, particularly with a play like this, is you yes, you read the script, and normally, if if a character is is meant to be moving, you move. But the the question is, why are they moving? And this was what we were uh, all of us as a whole group, um, and and this is where Sean you know wonderfully came in and said right I don't want you moving just for the sake of moving around um what is the purpose if you're going to move where are you moving to why um if it came to a very long speech um and particularly Barbara with all your lines to learn particularly in the first act that were repetitive um it's it's getting to the emotion behind those and again this is where Sean has a lovely guiding hand in that um he gave us confidence to say the words the way we needed to say them he would bring out the emotion in us and and bring the the script to life as it were mm. uh, you saying that Hannah that is so something that I am quite I feel quite strongly about is is no one does anything without good reason to do it really very rarely and one of the things that annoys me most when watching anything really be it a play or be it a film or anything is unnecessary movement i mean a lot of the time it happens with plays like these and you'll see someone get up and walk around for the sake of the director thinking well it looks boring and i think well no one does that never do i really get up if i'm talking to someone directly and start walking in circles for a moment so i look visually interesting to the other person um so being glued to the seats for the majority of the time was important to me unless a script stated otherwise which then means well, why are you saying what you're saying? And when it came to a play like Three Tall Women, where the concept, and I don't even know if we said really the concept of the play before, but it's the same woman at three different stages of her life, basically all sat in a room talking to one another. And you only really establish that as the play progresses. It's a bit more complex than that, but that's the basic outline. Of course, as a result, therefore, it's, it's not literal. Um, and a lot of the time they're saying things that aren't quite literal conversation. Um and it did take a lot of times of me reading back over it and back and forth. And even there were times when we, we'd been rehearsing it for months and we realised it maybe meant something different than what we'd initially thought it had meant. And it, it was really just playing around with motivations. And that was what kept mm. it exciting. I mean, each of the actresses in this had a very long, at least one incredibly long monologue at one point throughout the play. I remember most prominently Hannah having just spoken, her having to address the audience and give a monologue that lasted, I think, maybe three pages of the script. Of course, this is like the first time that's happened in the play, someone directing, directly addressing the audience, and it's three pages long, and she goes through about 14 different emotions. Um, and, and it takes a long time when you're looking at the book, for example, which, of course, everybody did for a very long time with this play because there's so many words. Um, it takes a long time to be able to even get to the point where you can explore those properly and really engage. And I remember very vividly the day that Hannah did that first time off book at the audience, and I was like, oh my gosh, I think we're getting there now. Like, I really think everyone is understanding this. And that's something we did a lot with this play. I'm, I'm sure the ladies will agree. Um, we sat and talked a lot. I mean, there were a lot of rehearsals where we'd sit and talk for the vast majority about our thoughts on this, our life experiences, how we interpret different parts. I think it wouldn't have worked had we not had that 
mm. friendly, open discussion, family unit mm. element to this yeah. play because it, it was just so personal for all of us to have to access why we were saying what we were saying or what each part meant to us at different points in our lives. It, it re- I think we all took it on it was more of a learning curve for all of us in some respects and actually just, and then we got to do a play at the end to show we had a nice time to our mums and dads, you know, that's kind of how it, that's how it felt for me, especially. Yeah, I think, I think that's a really good point, Sean. And I, and working together in, in like a family was, I think, critically important for the three of us who were on stage. Gareth, you mentioned the fact that it's such a dialogue heavy mm. play and we really had to work together to help each other because we were all vulnerable to having brain freezes and making those jumps through the script and so on. So we all had to support each other and help help each other through a sort of labyrinth, particularly in the first act. The second act was a bit bit more uh, straightforward in a way, even though the concept was was for the audience was a bit more tricky with having the three three women play one woman, although at different times in her life. But um, yeah, the, working together was was a, a critically important factor of this. And does anyone else have any particular memorable moments from either the rehearsals or the performances themselves? For me, it was it was uh, it was laughter. Um, mm. and, and again, I'm just repeating what, what Barbara and Sean have just said. It was a, a, a Queen's Park Arts Centre is is a is a family a friendly place anyway, and the the aura around there is is positive energy. But Sean's uh, leadership direction, uh, he comes in with this bright bubbly energy every morning. And I mean, all three of us ladies, as, as Barbara said, it, it was a family. The four of us did become a, almost like a family unit. And I, I just remember sitting in between these two amazing actresses and just laughing a lot of the time, just having it fun, um, you know, bringing back memories, learning these words together, helping each other out. It was a group, a definite group production and that's that's what it felt like we the the four of us worked together and it it was just amazing in that respect and amber yeah i would agree with what hannah said there i think for me the the strongest memory isn't even the actual performance of the play it's more the conversations the four of us had sitting around before the play, when we were discussing all the different emotions and the themes of the play and how how it, you know, related to our own lives and our own experiences and how that helped us bring the characters to life. Um, I think for me, my other biggest memory is that at the final performance, which of course was the final performance that any of us have had for, you know, <laughs> ever, um, I couldn't have given any more of myself. I completely in my very last monologue of the play lost my voice um and i thankfully only had a few lines after that which i sort of had to squeak out because my you know my monologue which as we've all said we had sort of huge chunks where it was just us and it, it was so emotional and i had to be angry and sad and frustrated and and i gave it all and afterwards i sat down on the couch and went to say my next thing and nothing was coming out and so that's a pretty huge memory for me and is that you know that it's it's a physical sort of manifestation of how much emotion we were all putting out there on that stage i, I think there's such a poetic 
thing should be said about how the play talks the whole point of the play is talking about coming to the end and and when we stop and and appreciating what we have and of course I said already about how prominent it was in my life and how it became so of the moment for my life due to the subject matter but also it was the final thing I ever did before lockdown one and is now kind of the final thing I've I've really done in my life for a very long time <laughs> uh which I which I didn't know at the time and and I think as Barbara was saying then um as Amber was saying then sorry it was we were very aware of it when we were in the final week I mean we were quite worried we wouldn't even mm. do the show mm. um yeah. and I think it was really important to all of us because obviously we knew it was going to be the final thing we did for a while none of us appreciated how long and I think I personally am I'm so incredibly grateful that it got to be the final thing I did before that and that we did get to do it. And and it, it was it still is and was, especially then in lockdown one, such I, I felt so grateful that it got to be the final touchstone I had and I could always recall back to it and I still can now. Um having this wonderful shared time together in the theatre. I mean I said it already about Marvin's room, but it really came to the forefront here where doing a show at Unbound, coming together as a family and as a group is all you could ever want an experience like that to be like. And when then it was followed by a drought period of no, you know, personal contact with other people or or those kind of group conversations happening, it was so nice to at least have been enriched beforehand. I mean, the biggest thing I'll take from this is friendships. I mean, I already said when we did Three Tall Women that Amber and Hannah, I knew 100% I wanted them to be a part of whatever the next thing I did uh, was going to be. And I did that. And then as I already said as well, I mean, Barbara and I, made a wonderful friendship when we did this play and and um we've kept that friendship going ever since and in all honesty on a very personal note it, it's a friendship that i don't know about barbara but for me uh, has completely kept me sane and kept my head above the water throughout the past 18 months really i mean we come back together quite frequently only a few weeks ago to come out together and we will do in a few more weeks uh in person for chats and i don't know we just it, it's so lovely to have made friends uh, and some very special friends from Unbound um, at a very difficult time. And I feel really proud that our show was the final one before everything changed. And speaking of this being the, the last show before before lockdown happened, um, we're now obviously at a moment where theatres are starting to potentially, fingers crossed, nothing going wrong, starting to look like we might start seeing some activity from theatres and a gradual reopening there. So what are some shows that you'd really like to work on, either as an actor or as a director, going forwards, and why? I always find that question impossible to answer, because (laughs) I'll work on anything that um, anybody asks me to do if if it's sufficiently interesting. I find it too possible. I'm like, well, I've got a thesis of about 40 (laughs) different things, if you wanted to know. So it's quite a a scary question. from from my life and um, the way my life is going at the moment, if I don't think I'll be around the vicinity of Queen's Park Art Centre for too much longer. Um, so it feels a bit like I've only maybe got one more play with Unbound left in me due to, you know, physical proximity perhaps um, and depending on COVID. So I would like to choose it wisely to complete the, the trilogy of lovely things and of course have the three wonderful women on this podcast back to be a part of it. There have been a few plays through time when choosing Three Tall Women and Marvin's Room that have gone through my head that I love. Um, I love God of Carnage by Yasmin Reza. That was one play that I really wanted to do for a very long time. Um, 
And I also wanted to do the Glass Menagerie at one point, which I know Hannah knew about because I thought Hannah would be absolutely perfect in that. Um, but otherwise, I don't know. I mean, part of me secretly really wants to do the Libin Pantomime. Like, that would be so much fun. <laughs> so I just don't know. Whatever Unbound will have me back to do, I would love to do. It is the one thing through lockdown that I've missed so passionately that I, as Barbara said, will do absolutely anything that anyone tells me to do and will kiss their feet and thank them for it. I completely agree with that. I have missed the stage. Um, it's been a sad time vis-a-vis the arts, but um, I know particularly uh, Unbound will not stop. Even during lockdown, we did not stop. Um, and so I look forward to anything coming from there to either go and see or be part of, uh, and also the chance to work with the three lovely ladies again and with Sean. Uh, because he's just such a, a wonderful director. And Amber? I feel quite the same. I tend to um, keep a very open mind when it comes to theatre. I don't have any sort of particular projects that I have my eye on or anything. I just sort of see what comes and see if I fit in in the way that I feel I would fit in and that the director feels I would fit in. And so I'm you know, happy to do sort of any types of projects just to give anything a try and of course I am very much looking forward to being able to be not only back on the stage but to be an audience member in a theater again because I certainly miss that part of life as well mm-hmm. I agree absolutely yeah. well that about brings us to the end of this episode of the Unbound podcast so uh Thank you very much, everyone for sharing all of your wonderful thoughts and memories of those productions and Thank you to everyone who is listening for listening in. Um, For more episodes of Tell Great Stories and lots of other brilliant audio and video content, um, you can go to unboundtheatre.co.uk or you can look for at Unbound Theatre on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or SoundCloud. 